Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. It is, it is good to be here again at uh, Crossroads, our home away from home. So Don and I are, are really pleased to be here today. In his early 20s, a boy by the name of John made his way to Africa, where he became um, involved in a lucrative uh, enterprise called the slave trade. As a young man, he ridiculed and mocked and poked fun at all religious people. In fact, he was joking the night that his ship sailed into a bad storm, an angry storm. That night, the waves and the wind and the rain battered the ship from side to side, and for hours, it was just going on. And the sailors were struggling, and he was struggling to keep the ship from sinking. He knew that it was a lost cause. He knew his ship was about to sink. Finally, he had enough. And he threw himself on the soaked deck. And he began to cry out, Lord, have mercy on all of us. John Newton didn't deserve mercy, but he received it that night. He, he and his crew survived the storm, and John Newton never forgot the mercy that God granted him that stormy night on the Atlantic. He returned to England, and he became a very famous songwriter and preacher, the slave trader turned preacher who could not help but tell the story of how God met him in the storm of his life. Several years had passed and he was nearing the end of his life and several of his friends told him around him said, please just stop preaching. You're forgetful. You're not remembering things. You're you're repeating things. And he responded to them this way. He said, I still remember I am a great sinner and Jesus is a great savior. What more do I need to know? Or what more do I need to remember? John Newton had experienced the grace of God in his life. He knew what it was and he knew how amazing it was as a matter of fact he wrote one of the hymns that we sing all the time you may know it it goes amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found I was blind but now I see Amazing grace. What's the big deal about God's grace? What's so amazing about it? How does it work? What does it mean? 
The word amazing means excellent, incredible, tremendous, and wonderful. And that's what God's grace is all about. You may say, well, that's fine, but what does that have to do with me? How do I apply that to my life? This morning, we want to look at scripture, and we're going to take a few minutes to consider the questions that I just asked. It is, it is my prayer this morning that God will help us truly understand just what is so amazing about his grace. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your grace this morning. I thank you for this time together, and I ask, Lord, that you open our eyes and our ears that we may hear from you today. Lord, we just ask that you would be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version, which is just slightly different than what the NIV is. But in this chapter, or in this epistle, the Apostle Paul gives us some insight on this thing called grace. He tells us and answers some of the questions <clears throat> that we have to ask. Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to begin at verse 1. Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for, an, for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. <clears throat> to the praise of his glorious grace, with, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his, of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of his will according to his purpose, which he has set for, forth in Christ. This morning I want to just talk about a few things about God's amazing grace. The first thing I want to talk about is the source of God's amazing grace. Verse 2 identifies the source of that grace. It says, The grace to you and peace from God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The source of grace comes from God and God alone. It cannot come from anyone else. And notice that at the end of that it says that there's peace 
Or at the beginning it says, peace from God. The source of grace or the result of grace is always peace. That inner calm and spiritual well-being that can only come from God. We try to seek peace everywhere around us. We look for peace in, in other people. We look for peace in our jobs. We look for satisfaction and that peace in our home. We look for it in cars and, and all kind of entertainment. But we will never find true peace and we will never have true peace until we find Jesus Christ and we find the grace and understand his amazing grace. The source of grace is God. But I still don't know what grace is. What is grace? Grace is the blessing, goodness, love, and kindness that comes from God. It is poured out into us and onto us and into our lives so that we can be what God wants us to be. So we can live the lives that God has intended us to live. We don't deserve God's grace. We don't deserve any part of his grace. But he gives it to us freely. He gives it to us without any questions. All we have to do is ask. And for some times, for some people, we don't even have to ask because everyone is given grace every morning we get up. Sinners and saved alike. We all breathe the same air. At some point, the grace is always there. It's so amazing when we accept it for ourselves. When we understand that God is doing it for us. When God is pouring out his favor on you and on me. And it's a free gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. You see, if we could do it ourselves, if we could give ourselves and give grace to ourselves, we'd have a lot of stuff to boast about, wouldn't we? We'd have a lot of stuff to pat ourselves on the back with if we could do it by ourselves. But God gives it to us. He gives it to us freely. And he says, this is so that no one can boast that they've done it better than you. My grace is the same for everyone. My grace is the same for all. It is a gift that I freely give. Paul tells us the purpose of his grace a few verses later in chapter 2, starting with verse 4. It says, but God, being rich in mercy, you see, God's not poor. God's not poor at all. He is rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You see, the purpose of God's grace 
is to bring us alive. We were all dead to sin. Every last one of us are, were dead to sin until we came to Christ. And by his grace, we have become alive. Now, I know I go to churches, and I wouldn't know that they were alive in Christ because they sit there with the frowns on their faces, and they sit there with their arms crossed, and they just don't want to give in and don't want to say amen, don't want to shout. That was a good place to say amen. But anyways, they just sit there, and they don't look alive. You see, God's grace should make us alive. God's grace should give us that breath of fresh air that we need to get up in the morning and to move on. It is by God's grace that we can get up and we can say, this is your day today, Lord. Make it what you want it to be. No matter how it goes today, Lord, I want to trust, entrust it to you. I want to give it to you and I want you to make it what you want it to be. Use me to be your witness today. We do that through grace. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. Grace is what makes it happen. We are raised up with Christ by grace. And we are seated in the heavenly places. One day, as the song said, one day all the sickness, all the coronaviruses and everything else is going to be done away with. And we are going to be sitting, seated beside Jesus Christ, healed and delivered from whatever bondage we have. And we will be able to walk with him. And it's all because of his amazing grace. It's all because of what he did for us on Calvary. It's all because of who he is. But wait, there's more. God's grace is not only, he's not only the source, but he has an object of his grace. If you look, starting at verse 3 of the, our passage this morning, it said, Blessed is, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his gracious grace, with which he has blessed us. Think about it. The object of God's grace is you and me. He doesn't give his grace to anyone else but to you and me. We are the objects of his grace. And because we are the objects of his grace, he has blessed us. That means he has shown favor and goodness towards us. Every time something happens, we are blessed by God. There are no, no coincidences in Christianity. There's no luck when it comes to God. <clears throat> when we look at how we are living, it's because of God's blessings on us. It's because of his grace 
that he pours out his blessings. He has chosen us. That means that God has singled us out. And it says before the foundations of the world, he knew us before we were even born. He knew what we were going to be. He knew who we were going to be. He knew what our lives were going to look like. He knew what kind of trials we were going to have. He knew what kind of sicknesses we were going to have. He knew what kind of heartaches we were going to have. He knew everything about us before the foundations of the world. And he blesses us because he chose us to pour out his grace upon us. He chose us. He predestined us, meaning that, again, he showed us his sovereignty and who he is. And he lavished upon us. Think about that word, word lavished. He loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He sent his son to die on the cross for you and for me. He lavished his grace upon us. Even when we do not show him respect. Even when we do not show him the the right way of living. He is still blessing us and he has still chosen us. And he is still lavishing his life, his love upon us. Why? Because he has adopted us. He has adopted us as his child. Think about that one. He adopted you and me. When you give your heart to Jesus Christ and you become a Christ follower, you were adopted into the family of God. That means that we are now the child of a king. We are now of royal bloodline because he has made us clean before himself through the blood of Jesus. He has redeemed us And he has made us to where he can adopt us and call us sons and daughters. I don't know about you, but I get tickled pink when I think of my daddy God. When I think about how much he loves us and how much he's done for us, for me. Every day he pours out his grace upon me. Every day he does something new to show me who he is. And you know, the neat thing is there's nothing that we can do that will make God love us less. And there's nothing that we can do that will make God love us more. In him, there is nothing but love. And God is love. Max Licato said this in one of his books. I don't remember which one it was, but he said, it is our greatest need, if it was our greatest need for information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us scientists, a scientist. If our greatest need had been mercy, or money, I'm sorry, if our greatest need would have been money, God would have sent us an economist. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. How true is that? We are the objects of God's grace, which means that we were, it was revealed to us in his son Jesus Christ that the grace 
that he lavished upon us on the cross made us sons and daughters of God. Now you may be saying, Mark, that all sounds good, but how does this grace thing work? How do I live it out in my everyday life? There was an an acrostic that I came across several years ago that spells out grace. It says this, grace, the G is for goodness, the goodness in our lives. Psalms 23, 6 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Follow me means that it will chase me, it will pursue me. Think about it. God is always pursuing us. He's always chasing us. He's always trying to be a step ahead of us to make sure that we are not falling. God is pursuing you this morning. He's making sure that everything is going to be okay. In this crazy mixed up world that we are living in today, that we don't know what's going to happen next, that just started In January, how things have changed since January, since March. How many things are different. All of that, his goodness is still the same. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has never changed. And he never will change. Psalms 31, 19 says, God has stored up goodness for those he loves. Think about that one. God has stored up goodness for those he loves. He's never going to run out of goodness for us. His goodness will never run out. It will always overflow because he has a storehouse of goodness and grace stored up for you and for me. That gets me excited. That gets me wanting to do more for him. The R is for redemption. Redemption means purchased or to buy back. We have been redeemed. When we come to Jesus Christ and make him Lord and Savior of our lives and we become a Christ follower, we have been bought with a price. And that price is the blood of Jesus. It has paid for our debt that we could not pay. It has taken care of everything. And when he's done that, the Bible says that when we come to Christ and we, and we ask God for forgiveness, that he removes all of that sin from our lives. And he erases it. And we have a clean slate. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. He says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You see, we could not pay for it. There was no way we could ever pay for our redemption. But God gave it to us for free through his son, Jesus Christ. The price that was paid was his precious blood stained on that cross of Calvary. A is for adoption. We've talked about that. We have become his child. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. We are his children. Abba, Father. 
How many times do we cry, Abba, Father, in our daily lives? Or do we just say, God, I need something? Instead of realizing how much he loves us. And how much he wants to do for us. C is for comfort. To soothe or to, to, uh, to soothe when in distress. And to bring hope. We need comfort from God today, don't we? We need comfort from God this morning. In all of the, the riots and all of the trouble and all of the things that are going on in our country today and around the world, we need hope. And that hope can only be found in Jesus Christ. That hope can only be given to us through the grace of Jesus and the grace of God. I'm glad this morning that I can stand here and know that without a doubt, God is on my side. I know without a doubt that God is going to be able to take care of my needs no matter what they are. No matter how bad it is, it's not bad enough for God to say, I can't do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. He comforts us in all of our afflictions, not just some of them, not just a few of them, but in all of our afflictions, he comforts us so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see, he comforts us so that we can be a comfort to someone else. We are to live our lives for others. We are to show others the grace that God has shown us. We are to be there and we are to comfort them as he comforts us. That's why he does it. So that we can be a blessing to someone else. So that we can share his love with those around us. And we can make a difference through Christ in someone else's life. And then eternity is the E. It is an infinite and unlimited time. A time without beginning and a time without end. John wrote in 1 John 5, 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, eternity is forever. And you've got a choice where you will spend eternity. You will either spend eternity with God in heaven where we will have no cares, no troubles, no tears, no sorrow, no death, or you will spend eternity in hell with Satan. And you'll be spending it there in torment and torture. And you will be spending it there in all kind of agony there will be nothing for you to get peace from. There will be no comfort in hell. 
Eternity is forever. And that's why it's so important that we share with others today what God has done for us. That we can tell them without a doubt, you can know for sure that you are going to heaven and that you are going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ if you just repent and ask him to forgive you and he will come and he will cleanse you and he will make you his child. He will make you his son or his daughter. There's benefits of God's grace. Verses 7 through 9 says, In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ Paul shows us several benefits in this small little section. We have redemption. We've talked about that. We have been made right in the eyes of God. He also talks about forgiveness. Forgiveness is another benefit, meaning that we have been restored by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is a very important thing. And it's sometimes hard to do. God has no problem in doing it, but we do. We need to be ready and able to forgive as Christ has forgiven. There are so many people today, and this is one reason why we have such a divided country right now, is because people aren't willing to forgive. People aren't willing to show love. People aren't willing to, to say, let's talk about it. There are brothers that haven't talked to each other in years, and they go to their graves not talking to one another because they haven't forgiven one another for something that was stupid. There are fathers and mothers who have, not, who have kicked their kids out of the house. And they say that we are not going to ever forgive them. And they go to their graves with the heart that is broken because they've never forgiven their child. See, God wants to forgive us. His heart breaks when we don't come to him and ask for forgiveness. His heart breaks when we don't come to him seeking that forgiveness that only he can give. The scripture also talks about wisdom. The ability to apply the truth of God's word correctly. There are a lot of churches and a lot of people who are telling, going before people and not giving them the whole truth of the, God's word. They're leaving out parts of it that may seem offensive. They're leaving out parts of it that, that may cause controversy. We need to learn that we have the truth of God's word and every sentence in this book, every word in this book, every period in this book is from God, it's breathed from God and it is important for us to learn and to read and to study and to sit under people like Pastor Floyd who, who teaches the whole truth of the Bible and not just some of it. 
God will reveal himself to us. It says that the mysteries of God will be turned away. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and we become a child of God, the mysteries of God are no longer there. We see what God's word means. God's word tells us that there's coming a day when there's going to be a time when this whole world will be in so much chaos, even more than it is today. A time where for seven years there's going to be an antichrist that's going to rule and he's going to make life miserable for anyone who is left here on earth that does not bow down to his name. That's what the Bible says is coming. It's a literal seven years that's going to happen. But here's the good news. If you know Jesus Christ this morning, if you're one of his children, we will be out of here before that happens. Because he is going to come and he is going to take his bride, the church home, to be with him before any of the tribulation happens. And that is exciting. But we can only do that because of his grace. His amazing grace. You see, Paul was talking to a group of people in the church at Ephesus that were still kind of stuck in the law. They were still kind of stuck in, in, in what the Old Testament law said. They hadn't really fully got a hold of this new covenant that, that came with the blood of of Jesus Christ. So let me just talk to you for just a minute about the law. <coughs> Excuse me. The law is the divine commandments of God, given by God to his people. And the law demanded perfection. The law demanded perfection. Law insisted on obedience. There was no room for error. You couldn't make a mistake under the law. Legalism is a strict, literal, and ex excessive uh, list of rules that a lot of religions and a lot of, of denominations make you go by. But because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we are no longer underneath the law. We are no longer underneath legalism we can walk by grace through Jesus Christ every day and we can live for him the benefits we have under grace are we are under grace and not the law we are accepted by God we are made righteous before God we now have hope we are to be witnesses to God's grace and we show faith and love by God's grace. And finally, God's grace gives us strength to face each day. God's grace gives us strength to face tomorrow. God's grace indeed is truly amazing. However, there's one thing I want to make clear before we leave here today. And that is this. God's grace does not give us a full reign to go live our lives the way we want to live them. 
Just because we're under God's grace doesn't mean that we are to live like the world. God's grace makes us able to live for Jesus Christ. To live holy and acceptable lives for him. God's grace is for us to live the kind of lives that God has intended for us to live. To live that life that is filled with love, joy, and, and peace, and happiness. No matter what the circumstances are. His grace is amazing because he is amazing. His love, he loves me and he loves you. Enough that he gave us this grace for free. One of the verses of John Newton's song, Amazing Grace, and I'm going to close with this. It says, Through many dangers and trials and snares, I have already come. Twas grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. We are going to face a lot of difficulties in our lives. And some of us have already faced a lot of difficulties. But it's by God's grace that we can get through. And one day, one day, one day, he is going to lead us home. And we are going to be with him forever. We stand with me as we have the, the group come up, the band come up to sing our last song. Let's just pray. And if you're here this morning and you're, you're dealing with some things that, as Floyd said earlier, that most of us are dealing with, and you just want to pray, we invite you to do that right where you are. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, just do that right where you're standing. There's no special prayer. There's no special thing that needs to be done except for that you ask God to forgive you of your sins. You repent of your sins and you ask him to come into your life. Father, we just thank you this morning for your amazing grace. We thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. And we ask now, Lord, that you would just be with us through the remaining of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we do, uh, let me just pray really quickly. God, we pray that as we walk out of here, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, that we would acknowledge and realize the greatest blessing that you could give to humanity was your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that not a single person in this room or that's watching via the live stream or that hears this later would bypass the opportunity to experience your amazing grace because of that sacrifice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.